I had a client's family reach out to me today with complaints about their child's eating habits. And this is a 14 year old and it's hard for me. And I, and I wrote them back and said, you know, this is a hard conversation for me as this child's coach, as the family's consultant, uh, I have to draw a line when it comes to talking to girls, uh, young girls, teen girls about their body, about sexuality, because I don't feel comfortable with that. And what I want to say is I'm writing a small article on boundaries is that boundaries that I set are for me. I don't care whether they work for you because boundaries keep me safe in a relationship. Now, if you have boundaries that are keeping you safe, my job is to respect and honor those boundaries. If we can't respect and honor boundaries, we shouldn't be in a relationship. So, so when I say that it's my boundaries as a 52 year old man, that I am not going to talk to someone else's teenage daughter about sex or about their body or about their eating. It's because I'm not going to give you my best because I don't feel comfortable doing that. You're not going to get the best of me. You're going to get reserved, held back. But that doesn't change the fact that this family is having some struggles with food, with body image, with exercise and their teenage daughter. So rather than be the person who thinks they know everything about everything, this is where we resource and we talk to the experts. I have Mandy with us. Mandy is writing a book that I love the name of it, the birthday suit book. We're going we're gonna to talk to Mandy. We're going to talk to her about talking about bodies. And I'm going to throw the zingers at her. Because I know these comments come up, these questions come up, these concerns come up, these clarifications come up, and I think she's the one to answer them, not me. Thank you for joining me this week on this episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Let's talk about bodies, let's talk about teens, and let's talk about sex. Let's talk about that hard thing about this thing that we don't know if we want our kids doing it. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. They they may, they may not, they may... Let's talk to Mandy about that. Thank you for listening, parents. Please listen, like, subscribe, and share, and leave a review for Beyond Risk and Back, especially in iTunes. It helps parents find this show. Mandy, I I want to say your last name, but I'm going to avoid it because I don't know where to put the inflection. Mandy, how do you say your last name? Subtle. Nuttles. It's Nuttle. Nuttle. It's like subtle. Subtle. Mandy Nuttle. Yeah. There you go. Mandy, where this this... You have been a teacher. You've been a high school teacher, a health teacher, volleyball player, BYU, taxi driver, nutritionist, doctor, therapist, personal trainer, cancer fighter, interior designer, janitor, photographer, and chef, all since marrying your soulmate. So congratulations on finding a soulmate. And you're a mom. <laughs> Thank you. So you're talking to moms and dads here as a mom, and we're talking about the body stuff. So before we get into the body stuff... Why? Why did you get into teaching high school health and talking about body stuff with with high school kids? And now your book is about talking to children two to nine years old about their bodies. How'd you get into this work? Well, first of all, I did not plan on getting into this work. This just kind of <laughs> happened. It just happened. Um, when I was picking my degree, I, I was an athlete and I wanted to get into sports medicine because I was fascinated about the body. Like it, it really is incredible when you learn about the systems and the and what happens all day long in our bodies that we have no idea about. It's, it's incredible what happens. So I was fascinated. My complete focus shifted when I took a class called human sexuality. And you would think in college that would be like the class to take, right? I was intrigued. Um, I took this class and it was incredible. 
it was incredible because of the teacher. It wasn't necessarily we're learning about sex. And it's not like you learned what, like how to have sex. You just learned about human sexuality. But this teacher, her name was Lori Richards, and she lit this fire within me because she taught with so much passion, um, not not the passion that you would associate sex with, but she just wanted her students to understand this material so bad. And I thought, I want to do this. I want to teach. So I changed my major to health education and I became a high school health teacher. And that was a ride. That was that was pretty, pretty cool. But um, I tell you what, teaching math would be really hard because kids would be, you can't relate to math very well. But when I taught health, I had all eyes and attention when I was in that sex ed unit. I mean, they, they loved learning about it because it was so relevant to them. It was about their body. And um, I tried so hard to emulate my mentor, Lori. I love her. She passed away several years ago to breast cancer. And I, I try to honor her as much as I can to help these kids understand about their body. So fast forward many years later, I retired. I became a mom. I now have five kids. Wow. By the way, if you have sex, you have kids. Just know, make sure everybody knows <laughs> make that. Make sure you got those two things in yep. the same conversation. Yeah, because many grandmas in the grocery store said, do you know how you have those? I'm oh. like, oh my gosh, you guys, I'm sorry. I got five kids. It just happened. Twins are easy. I wanted to teach my own children about their bodies. I want That was such a huge priority to me. After seeing what these kids knew in, in class, they did not know that much. They had such little understanding and comprehension about their bodies. And it just shocked me how much they didn't know. I have some funny stories if you want to hear those sometime. Um, I wanted to be better. I wanted to teach my own kids. Um, and as I was doing it, I had many people ask me, how do I do this? I don't know how, how, to, how to say these sentences. Like, how do I form these words? And if someone asks you the same thing more than five times, my advice is to write a book. And so that's what I've done. <laughs> I have to ask, you're in, in your bio, you talk about your spiritual life and how important that was to you. You did go to school at Brigham Young University. And so in my own mind, I'm doing addition about your spiritual life being in Brigham Young University. And I'm wondering if you were a teacher in an environment that had a little bit more constraints about what you could talk about in health class and around sexuality and not all states, not all counties here in the United States are willing to have full expression of knowledge and understanding around sexuality and health that someone who's getting a degree at a university would be offered. So did you have that obstacle in your own life? And did you have it as a teacher? Yeah. So I grew up in a, a very conservative religious household. Um, I loved it. It was, it served me very well. The, the school that I taught at, yes, it did have those restrictions. I mean, we taught abstinence. That was the main thing. Uh, we weren't allowed to talk about contraceptive. And this was a while ago. This was a few years. Uh, this was uh, in 2009, oh, something like that. <laughs> it was conservative. So my main thing was teaching abstinence to these kids. Were my kids abstinent? No, there were many that weren't. And I, I knew this because uh, there would be I, these kids, I'd be seeing them basically going at it right outside of my classroom. My classroom was like the place right outside. There was a corner where I caught many kids doing who knows what. But those same kids, those same kids were in my class. Let me tell you this story. Um, raising their hand, asking questions like this. So I was talking about ovulation one day, about the female body, how every month she releases an egg. And this kid who had just 
20 minutes before I saw the back of his throat going down his, his girlfriend's throat. I mean, they were going at it. <laughs> Raises his hand and he goes, okay, so, so a girl releases an egg. Is this, is this like, like a chicken? So this kid here yeah. is thinking that his girlfriend squats down once a month and lays an egg. So think about this. How can these teenage kids respect one another, respect their own body if they don't even understand it? I'm pretty sure this kid was sexually active with his girlfriend and just, just not being able to understand what she goes through and have that respect needed to understand human physiology, uh, it, it just does not add up. Mandy, I was running a rite of passage and I've told this story a lot to teachers and clinicians in my trainings in the past. I was running a rite of passage and at one point we separate the boys and the girls and we set the boys down and me and the other men say, ask us any question you want about anything. And of course, as the comfort level goes up, the questions and their debaucherous nature goes down. And one of the kid raises his hand and his lips trembling. And we say, yeah, what, what do you want to know? And he starts to cry. And he says, does sex last longer than 17 seconds? And we looked at him and we were like, I hope so. Like, like, but sometimes it, it lasts 17 seconds. Like why what's wrong? And he goes, Cause all the clips of pornography are 17 seconds long. Oh my goodness. And we were like, wow, no one's talked to him. Like, like it was, it was very clear. No one had talked to him. He didn't feel comfortable as, and thank God in that moment he asked. But the other piece of that is that when he asked that question, all the boys who were listening to him turned back and looked at us waiting yeah. for the answer. None of them knew how long sex lasts. And so of course the conversation went, well, it lasts as long as it lasts. Sometimes it, you don't make quite make it to the bed. And sometimes it's amazing and uncomfortable and gross and blah, blah, blah. Why is there a simple reason why we are not talking to the kids about their bodies and about their sex? Is it just because we didn't get talked to? I remember my health teacher not being able to look up from the book with his bright red face and just mm -hmm. reading directly from the health book in junior high, slamming it shut when the bell goes off and pointing at the door. Is that it? Is that why we can't talk to our kids about their bodies and about sex or uh, oppressive religions? Is it, what is it? Why? So in my research, I interviewed over a hundred parents and I asked all different walks of life, all different upbringings. And the stats there are shocking. I asked them, how many of you felt comfortable talking with your parents about sex? So I'm going to ask you this question. What do you think? What percentage do you think these parents, current parents now felt comfortable talking to their own parents about sex? I was very comfortable talking to my parents about sex. My mom and you I were had one a, of them. So that's good. Yeah. And, um, and very comfortable talking to my daughter and, and getting the comic books about it that were very cute and explained and had a little fairy that narrated the story, you know? And so I, I don't know, but I do know how many kids haven't that, that ended yeah. up in treatment. So your, your story, you were able to talk to your daughter comfortably, yeah. I think directly relates to you being able to talk to your own parents. To my mom, so especially. In, Bless her heart. What a good mom. <laughs> so in my research, only 23% of current parents felt comfortable talking to their own parents. That's devastating. That's, that's awful. Um, even worse, only 21% felt educated about their body. So th that's just, I mean, it breaks my heart because something 
you think of like, what are our checklists of things to do as a parent, right? Feed our kids, clothe our kids, send them to school. Do you think it's our responsibility to teach them about their body, to respect their body, to honor their body, to protect their body? This is like one of our biggest jobs as parents. And we just close the book and point out the door, yeah. right? Uh, so many have done that. So with with parents right now who grew up with that, it's going to be really, really hard for them to feel comfortable talking to their own kids. And this is what I'm trying to fix. And this is what I'm trying to help. Um, one thing, not one thing, a huge thing that I saw when teaching these, these high school kids, they need, desperately need somebody that they can connect to with this topic, that they can trust, that they can see them as a source of truth to give them honest answers. Like that kid in that meeting that you had, he saw you as a source of truth. And I bet you, you connected in a, a very strong, a strong bond. You started a bond with this child here that he was probably able to talk to you about other things. If a parent is not that person that the kid can connect to, they will find someone else or something else or some 17 second video that's what they're going to bond to. And when I was teaching, um, my husband would ask me all the time, like, how was your lunch? And I'm like, I don't get to eat lunch. My classroom <laughs> is filled with students at lunch and they're asking questions and talking and telling me about their life. And they needed somebody to connect to. And I knew those kids that were in there talking to me, they did not have that relationship at home. And this is a huge, like parenting relationship bond potential that parents are just overlooking and letting go because they can't get the courage or the confidence to talk to their children about these things themselves. Are parents, based on your research, aware of where kids are learning about sex if they're not learning it at home? So I think parents are turning a huge blind eye to pornography. Pornography is such a rampant, huge, massive, massive burden that all of our kids are carrying constantly. The, the, the last statistic I saw is that 30% of the internet is pornography. Can you imagine and, and answer the question whether or not your parents would have sent you to the public library if three out of every 10 books was a porn book? 30% of the internet. That means a sum total of human knowledge has to share 70% of the internet space. That's how much. But is that, as, as a health teacher, is that where kids are finding it? Yes, with that much junk and garbage on the internet constantly being thrown at our kids. And it's not like they're going and having to search for it like in our day when we were younger. It is thrown at them over and over and over. And the second we give our kids a smartphone with that access like that, they cannot differentiate between truth and lies. They're too young. And if parents aren't talking about it and thinking, oh, they're learning about sex from porn probably or I don't know. They'll probably figure it out. Like that's just not right. They're these little kid minds. They cannot figure it out through porn and they cannot. There's so much more they need to learn about trust and emotions and feelings and serving someone else in a, in a way that's not a selfish way for your own desires and pleasures. There's so many things that we have to teach our kids that we're just leaving out because we're scared to talk about it. We've got to just step up as parents and have these hard discussions. So let's let's talk about the the beginnings of stepping up before we get into the actual what do you say what is the first how should you start how do you what do you think a parent needs to do first before they ever 
approach the conversation around bodies, around sex? I think the first thing we have to do is be able to say the anatomy. And this sounds really, really basic, but this is what I'm teaching these young, these parents with young kids. We start from the very beginning being able to say the anatomy. If you can't say the anatomy, if you can't say- You mean instead of like, uh, that's your bunny, that's your no-no, that's your willy to actually use the terms. Does this sound respectful if you're calling something a willy? Like, does it sound like you honor and respect this body part for the the miraculous functions that it can perform? No, you're you're too scared. So it really starts with being able to say the words. And that's a really basic thing. If you can start saying the words, then learn what they actually do, then learn about the entire sequence that we can share and teach our kids in a way that's not, you know, sex is just orgasms and that's it. There's so much more. So what I'm teaching parents, and this is this really, I'm going to break it down to be really simple here. I asked many, many parents, what is sex? And the responses that I got are kind of crazy. Some would say, oh, it's what parents do when they share a bed. It's what two people do when they love each other. It's where the anatomy goes during sex. And so you got all these different answers. So if you think about this, can a child relate to loving someone? Do you tell your child that you love them? Have you ever snuggled in bed with your kid? I do it all every morning. They're always in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> things like that. They, it doesn't make sense to them. So if we break down sex, what is sex to like the core, core, core purpose? If you think about it, sex is the act of creating life. If we start with that in mind, that is the core purpose of what sex is. Then it really becomes exciting to teach about. The act of creating a human being is incredible. It's fascinating. Young kids and teenage kids, it's it's really a cool topic. So when you talk about fertilization, fetal development, um, where are the egg and sperm, how many sperm are actually ejaculated in each time? Like how many does it take to make one person? Like there's so many cool facts that kids don't know. So when you're teaching it, you are seen as a relevant source of truth. And you're giving a little bit more information, a little bit more, which means, Hey, my parent does know something that I want to know from them. Like they do have some knowledge, but this approach and teaching sex that first it is the act of creating life and that we have to honor that and that it is beautiful and special. Um, instead of just, Oh, you know, sex is pleasure. Uh, you got to start with the basics. I've talked about what it's like being a podcast host and being able to talk to experts and learn from them as I am just providing a forum for them to talk to the parents who have found Beyond Risk and Back or the parenting teens that struggle Facebook support group page. And I have another resource for parents and Everything I know has come from interviewing the experts. When when cutting was becoming such a big thing in the early 2000s among teenagers, it was I learned about it by calling experts in self-harm and saying, what is this? Why does it look exactly like addiction? And they told me. And then when uh, my own child started struggling with disordered eating, to talk to the expert and say, what did I do wrong? What did I miss? What did I screw up and how can I fix it? and being taught. And our guest today, Mandy, talking about how to talk to your kids about bodies, about sex. 
That's why I built the Parenting Masterclass. It is self-paced, which means you take it when, you're, when you want to take it, when you need to take it, when you have to take it. But taking it is easy because I made it really, really cheap. I, I want every parent to have everything I've ever taught parents based on every expert I've ever talked to. Go to brabapp.com, B-R-A-B for Beyond Risk and Back. Go to brabapp.com. Take a 10-question quiz to find out whether you need to start the course in the red, the yellow, or the green. But you get all three of those courses, 56 classes, for less than a week's worth of coffee. Brabapp.com. Check it out. I'd say more, but I want to get back to our guest, Mandy. Mandy, when a child... And especially now in this millennial generation, when a child is wanting to just know about sex and we begin with the core, what sex is for to create life. It does bring up the question is, am I allowed to feel good? And what if I just want to feel good, but I don't want a child? What? Because we don't want teenagers to have children, but we know that teenagers are having sex and we have a parent who may have a value in play that doesn't want the child to have sex but right when your teen becomes a teenager your wants start to have less and less leverage so how do we have that conversation because i know a lot of my parent listeners agree with you i agree with you and i know the teens i've worked with i know the parents of the teens i've worked with and whether or not the core is to create life which it is Biologically, that's what that thing is for. It's an extreme amount of pleasure, awkwardness, stickiness, amazingness. It is intimate communion with another human being. And sometimes I believe it's the closest we can get to divinity, that feeling of expression and connection with another human. And if that's all the teen wants in that moment, but doesn't have the words, how does a parent do they have to set aside their values to have that next part of the conversation when it's just about feeling awesome? Those are great questions. Those are great questions. And, and my advice to that is that parents sit down and figure out, first of all, what are their family values they're trying to teach? And not just figure it out, write them down. What am I trying to teach my kid? Our job as parents is to teach them all that we can. We cannot force them. We cannot make them do what we want them, but we can teach them our values in the clearest, clearest way possible. So if we write down these values and give them to our children, put them on a piece of paper and give them to our kids. These are what our values are. This is why. We got to put the why in there. Why do you want your child to wait? Why do you not want them to wait? Do you want them to wait? Do not say and I can't say this enough, do not say don't have sex. People who have sex are promiscuous. Those are sluts, whatever. But if you do, make sure you wear a condom. That is the most contradictory thing to a kid. Don't do it, but if you do, wear a condom. No, you got to teach them, first of all, the whys, um, and then what to do. This is, think about this. We don't. It's, instead of just saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, teach them what to do. Wow. And that might be different for every single family. When should they have sex? When should they? If we tell them, don't do it, it's bad, don't do that. 
Sex is not bad. Sex is incredible. Sex is beautiful. Like you said, the most, the most connected you can ever get to another human being. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of, that's a lot of feelings and emotions. Should that be given to anybody? Should that be given to children? That this is, yeah, yeah. We kind of just be so clear on what, where our hopes are for our children and the why, why should they wait? Why should they not wait? Again, establishing your own family values and really getting down. And it's hard. It's hard to figure them out. What do I really believe? What do we really want to teach them? But if you're not clear on your values, how in the heck is your kid going to be clear on these values? So now let's move from the conversations around sex to the conversations around bodies. The, the idea that, um, a teenage boy suddenly finds a lump or it feels weird or there's white spots and he doesn't remember there being white spots or there's one big one. And as an adult, you go, Oh kid, that's an ingrown hair. You're fine. But the, the kid is doing research and they're web MDing themselves. And now they've got, you know, cancer AIDS COVID and, and they're just like, Oh my God. And they don't know where to turn except interrupting your lunch hour and, and saying, I think I have some things on my thing. And I, they're like, we're asking them to know a language that they, they've never spoken before. So let's talk about the bodies. How do you introduce to your child just good old parenting body talk, especially when a girl says, I'm fat. Most kids aren't going to come to their parents and say, hey, I have some white spots on my dingling. They're not going to be saying that. Why? Because they haven't had that discussion in the first place. They haven't talked about the dingling. And no, it's not a dingling. It's a penis. Yeah. They haven't. They don't feel comfortable taking those words to their parents and talking to them about it. For example, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I got bronchitis and I got a really bad yeast infection. And those hurt so bad. I did not have the confidence to go talk to my parents about it. That was my, that was my vulva, my vagina. I was like, I don't want to talk to them about this. I was miserable so bad. I could not even walk for a week. It was terrible. And I just played it off like, oh, I'm really sick. Finally, after a week, I went and talked to my mom about it because I was literally crippled. And she's like, oh, let's go to the drugstore and go get a cream. And within two days later, I was fine. If we don't have these conversations and if frequently, specifically using words and usually parent started with the parent, like the parents initiate these conversations, they're not going to come to you when they need help. They're going to feel embarrassed, just like you feel embarrassed saying the words if you don't feel comfortable saying the words. So what I'm trying to teach parents is I am trying to create with my book, the birthday suit books, I'm trying to create a yearly birthday suit talk. And yearly is like the lowest amount. We should be doing it much, way more frequently, but I'm giving a lesson every year for parents to teach with tons of different content tons of different um, questions to ask, family values to establish that they can have a game plan on what they're teaching their kids every year. So right now, my first book, ages one through nine is out. Uh, ages 10 through 18 is coming out this summer of 2022. If you don't have frequent, normal, comfortable conversations, when it really matters, they're not going to come to you. So this is what I'm trying to help parents understand is we have to initiate them, facilitate them, make them feel comfortable, make them have a safe place, let them know that you are a source they can trust and that you are a source of truth. When you see your son or daughter hunched over playing video games and that, that video game neck is beginning and that hunched back and that the chin to chest thing, how do you have that conversation without creating shame? 
How do you tell your 14-year-old that this amount of sugar she's eating or this this amount of bread and pasta that that we know it's comfort. And and if they're they're indulging in comfort food, then they are uncomfortable. And we know these may not be permanent changes that you can you can change them with exercise and you can change them with chiropractic and you can change them with different behaviors. But in this moment, the fear comes up and your, your kid's posture, your kid's eating habits, your kid's monster drinking, candy bar eating. How do you start that conversation when you know they're going to feel crappy and defensive when you start talking about their posture or their yeah. belly? It seems like the solution to that would be to talk about the problem. It seems like that would be to talk about the monster drinks, to talk about the belly, the lack of exercise. Um, I don't believe that's the solution. I believe that's the Band-Aid. I, I believe we got to get so much deeper than that. And first, let your child know that they are loved and give them some crazy amounts of affirmation and love. We think as a parent, if we want our kid to have good body issues, that we should compliment them on their body. That is not the solution. My advice to talking to girls about their body is don't talk to girls about their body ever. No, not about her size. Talk to her about her strength. Talk to her about her abilities to run. Talk to her about her motivation, what makes her tick. Talk about who she is because her body is an instrument. It is not an ornament. And too often we think about embellishing this ornament and, and looking a certain way or whatever. If she's overeating, it's because she's stressed or it's because she's got something going on. That's what we got to focus on, not the food. We got to focus on what's going on. And usually it's because they don't feel loved I, or they I, don't know that they're loved. And going, we got to go to the deeper. If you want to really fix an issue, we don't put Band-Aids on. It was hard to hear my daughter say to me, you know, when you told me I looked good, it was hard to hear because those were the times I felt the worst. Like the, how that landed where I was like, I'm reinforcing destructive behavior by complimenting her. And as her father, I didn't know how to do that. And so I had to say, what does support look like then? She goes, just ask me how I feel and let's just have that conversation. And, you know, thank God my daughter has <laughs> her stubborn outspoken, aggressive tone with me that I can still oh, she's hear. she's a female? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to say it's because she's my daughter, but no, it's, it's, it's much deeper than that. How do parents find you? How, how can they get the birthday suit book and where else can they connect with you as, as they're going through this with their kids? For sure. Yeah. The website, thebirthdaysuitbooks.com or on Facebook and Instagram at thebirthdaysuitbooks. But I have many resources that I'm sharing with parents. I have a workshop that I'm teaching them how to have these conversations with like-minded parents who are also struggling with the same thing. The books obviously are fantastic. I have family values journals where parents can write down their, their values and hand them to their kids. This is huge. We can't just assume that they know them. We need to write them down clearly and hand them to our to our children. The books just give year by year instructions of what to say. It's like a lesson plan. It's a teacher in me that's given like a parent's say this, ask this, show this. So it, it takes all the guesswork away. You know what to say, you know how to teach it. It covers all topics in an organized way with, with material that builds upon itself each year. 
so that ultimately when you do have the discussion about sex, that it makes sense to them, that they understand and honor the anatomy and that you feel comfortable teaching it. Final questions. Can you have conservative values and liberal views when it comes to sexuality and education? I believe you can. I believe you can have whatever you decide to have. I I feel like I'm a mix of that. I grew up, again, very conservative. I, I love and honor monogamous relationships. I know that I have a fantastic marriage because of the way that I was raised, because of the choices that I made before I was married and the choices that I make now after that I'm after I'm married. I know that the I know what sex can be and I know how it can hurt. Kids need to know this as well. I think you definitely can have both, but it takes a lot of soul searching. And I think it takes a lot of, of organizing in your brain, what you really know and believe in and being honest with yourself. But I definitely think that's, that's possible. If parents are going to rely on the education system to do health, and I know a lot don't want to because they don't like the nature of it, what can the education system do differently to really appease the masses, or at least the majority? This is a tough question that I have evolved, in my opinion. My opinion has definitely evolved. Um, when I was a teacher, I saw kids taken out of class. I saw the embarrassment. I saw them having to sit in the library for six weeks during the class. Again, it was a very conservative class. These days, it's really different, and my, I, my views have completely shifted. I personally feel they are absolutely overstepping their bounds on what they are teaching, what should be taught in the home. However, parents aren't teaching it in the home, so schools are feeling like they need to. So I can have my opinions on what's being taught at schools, and I can complain and all of this, but ultimately, if it's been taught at home before it's been taught at school, that is, that is what I have control over. I can, I can control that. I can make sure my kid is sent to school with knowledge. But yeah, again, I, I, I feel like they are overstepping their bounds, but we need to step up as parents if they're doing this. We got to step up and teach them at home first. I have a follow-up story to the young man at the rite of passage who asked the question about sex lasting 17 seconds. He came back the year after and the year after to our rite of passage program. And one year, as the boys were asking the men questions about bodies and sex like that, another boy had said, you know, is it bad when your junk itches? And the boy who had asked the question two years earlier about sex lasting 17 seconds said, bro, don't call it junk. It's not junk. That's healthy. When he didn't know that that sex can be any length of time and it's all good, no matter how long it lasts, as long as you're with it and you're present with it and it's mutual and it's consensual and it's... To, to, to go from there in two years, I know that within that time, from that first question about the length to don't call it junk, that that kid had access to someone who gave him the truth around his body and his sexuality and him connecting to other people in an intimate way. I wanna thank Mandy first and foremost for such a great conversation 
go to the birthdaysuitbooks.com and you got to go to her resources page. It's fantastic. I'm there right now looking at everything she's got. Parents, you have to take care of yourselves first and your own body issues and your own sexuality and your own first. And then you have to handle that with your adult relationship second so that when this comes up for your child, when it's time to front load the conversation and the connection before there's any correction, you can do that. So as always, take care of yourselves first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because that's how you're going to do your best with your kid. Thank you to Deepin Productions for the song and the producing of the podcast. Thank you for Your Cause Consulting, making sure this podcast is in front of all the people who need it. Thanks to Manti Nuttle for being the guest and talking us through something that's, yeah, it's still a little weird, isn't it? 2022, here we are, and we're still wondering how to talk to our kids about sex. I'll see you next week.